the uh, three Hebrew children as we know them. Let me get this mic on so I can walk around and all that kind of good stuff. There we go. Verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, you pretty familiar, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you're familiar with this story of how these three Hebrew boys were in captivity in Babylon. And uh, the king had decreed that uh, some, of the, some of the men were going to be, uh, I guess, leaders in his country. And they were going to be some of his soldiers and some of his uh, officers in government. And he picked out the best of these Jewish boys. And these three young men happened to be uh, three of the men that he picked out. Um, we say they're young men. I've heard some people say they were teenagers. I've heard some people say they were as old as 40 as far as in their age. I don't know exactly how old they were, but I know about their stand for God, and I know that we can learn some lessons from it. And so Nebuchadnezzar picked these men out, and they began to do things there in the, the kingdom of Babylon and began to serve him the best that they could, and they gave, him, they gave him their best because that was what they felt God wanted them to do. However, they did not do what was wrong. They did what was right. They still served God. The time came when Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, and he set that image up, and uh, it supposedly was an image of himself. And he wanted everybody to bow down to that image when they heard they played all sorts of music. And at that time, they were supposed to bow down to this image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down. And the story goes that uh, they, they were brought before the king, and that's where we pick up the story in verse 16, where they said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. They're talking about the matter of bowing down to this, this image, this golden idol. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, even if he doesn't, I like this kind of faith and I want to have more of it. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whereas before he liked these, these men, uh, now all of a sudden he's very angry with them. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace. Now the, the, he said that anybody that does not bow down to the image is going to be cast into the fiery furnace. And he commanded that the, the furnace should be heated one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Seven times hotter than it was normally. Verse number 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The soldiers died there at the mouth of the furnace. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, or astonished. And he rose up in haste, and he spake, and he said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. It's got to be one of my favorite all-time Bible stories. Talking tonight about facing your problems without fear. And I believe that every Christian can face their problems without fear. 
by realizing the truth of three observations that we can see in our text as tonight we talk on the subject, A Friend in the Flame. Let's pray one more time. Father, as we come to the preaching hour, God, we, we pray that you would help us. And God, during this time, God, I pray that you would be real in this place. Thank you for the music that we've sang and that we've heard already. Thank you that we can turn our eyes unto you, and God, we can get what we need. As the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. And Father, tonight my eyes turn toward you, and I ask you for your strength and your power now as we bring the message. God, may we all have listening power, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us. Would you speak to our hearts tonight? And Lord, we are going to be careful to give you the praise and honor and glory. Cleanse us, Lord, from anything that would hinder the message getting out tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed someone else's assistance to get out? I uh, can remember out of my own life, my, my dad used to have a, I guess it was about a 78 little Ford pickup that uh, had about as much rust as it did solid body parts. But I, uh, I drove that truck around for a little while just after I got out of high school. The driveway where my parents live is a sloped driveway and goes right out into a busy two-lane road. And uh, the truck got to where it was acting up a little bit. And it wouldn't start sometimes. And so we'd have to let that, we'd have to park that truck on, the, on that slope and, and uh, let it roll down there and let it get almost to the road and pop the clutch and get it going and take off. And I jumped in the truck one day, headed to work, and I was a little, running a little bit late. And of course, it wouldn't start, as it always happens when you're running late. And uh, I, of course, put it in neutral and let it start rolling down the hill and let it get almost to the bottom and tried to pop the clutch and it wouldn't pop. And I tried it real quickly again because I was getting close to the road and it still wouldn't start. And by that time, the front end of the truck is out in, out in the road and uh, I'm on a hill facing out into the road. And so I have to try to put the, try to get the truck in neutral and try to push it back up the hill. But there's no way that I can get that little truck back up the hill. I'm trying to push and trying to push. And I keep thinking that somebody's going to come by and hit me and hit this truck and everything else. And wouldn't you know it, just at that time, some friends of mine drove by, saw me in my predicament, and uh, helped me push the truck off the road. But there are times in our Christian life when we all get to that place where we've got ourselves into a situation or we've been placed into a situation where we need somebody else's assistance to get out of it. As much as we try, we can't do it ourselves. As, as hard as I tried to push against that truck, I could not get that truck back out of the road and up that hill. Anyway, I couldn't get it, I couldn't push it uh, at all. And we get, in, we get to places in our lives like that spiritually where we need somebody else's assistance. But you know what? A lot of times when we get to that place, it's not somebody else this way that we need. It's somebody this way that we need. And it's only when, when, whenever we realize that we must turn our eyes upon Jesus and we must look full in his wonderful face to, help, to get the help that we need. It's only then that we will get the help that we need as we face the fires that we face on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives. Some of them are hotter than others, but some of, every, every day we face the fire of some sort. And sometimes we go through extended periods where we face the flames. And when things happen and we need assistance beyond what we can do to get out of a situation, I think we can turn toward Jesus and we can learn from the examples of these three men here in this story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if I can call your attention to a few things here, I will hopefully be brief tonight and uh, we will 
just give you something that'll be a help to you, as I hope happens every time that I preach. First of all, I think we can see the certainty of the fire. The certainty of the fire. I, I think we can guarantee that we will face the fiery furnace at some point in our lives. Now, the fiery furnace in our lives may take a few different forms. The fiery furnace, first of all, could take the form of persecution. Persecution. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 12, the Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is a certainty that you and I are going to be persecuted at some point in our lives for our faith in Christ Jesus. If you've never experienced that, rest assured it will come because persecution is a certainty. Our furnace may be that we are mocked, made fun of, criticized, and ridiculed for our stand for God. You may go to work tomorrow at a place where God's name is never mentioned in anything except for with a cuss word attached to it. You may go to work tomorrow where they may, they may make fun of you for coming to church tonight. You may go to a place tomorrow where God is not even thought of except by you. But I want to tell you something. When you go into work tomorrow and those people make fun of you and they say things about you and about you going to church, there's somebody walking in the flame with you. You're not in it by yourself. You do have a friend in the flame. Our, our furnace may take the form of persecution. Secondly, it may take the form of problems, other difficulties that we have. And we can think about uh, the Apostle Paul. And let me read to you some verses, if I can, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse number 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You notice he says that was given to me? He says, God gave me this thorn. But then he says it was, it's the messenger of Satan. God allowed Satan to give Paul a thorn. And in reality, God was in control of it. He says, it's the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8, he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And listen to what Paul says here now. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, and in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. I wonder how many of us tonight, when we go through the fire, we can say, you know, I take pleasure in that. I take pleasure in those things. Why did he say I take pleasure? And why did he say I will glory in those infirmities? He said, if that's the only way I can get the power of God on my life, then so be it. I'll take it. How important is the power of God on my life? How important is the power of God on your life? Is it important enough for us to say, God, thank you for the trials. God, thank you for the problems. He closes it out by saying, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak in my flesh, when I'm weak in my own self, then I find strength in God. See, these problems can be physical, financial problems. They can be failure, some situation that's not easy or comfortable for us. But rest assured of one thing, Christian. When you walk through the fiery trial of problems, you're not walking alone. You've got a friend in the flame. There's somebody walking with you. We see the certainty of the fire. It may take the form of persecution. It may take the form of problems. It could be in the form of some kind of personal loss. 
Thirdly, we could lose a friend or family member to death. Someone close to us could move away. Parents get divorced. We can lose our possessions, some form of personal loss. All those things grouped together can become a fiery trial in our lives. But the truth that I want to hammer home tonight, and I'm going to keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it, is that when you go through the trial, you're not alone. There's somebody walking with you. You do have a friend in the flame, just like these three men here did. You've got a friend in the flame. If you will, if I can call your attention to some more verses to go along with this, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12, 13, and 14, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Whenever you face the fiery trials, don't think it's a strange thing. He says in verse 13, but rejoice. We've got Paul glorying in his problems. We've got Paul taking pleasure in his problems. We've got Peter telling us we ought to rejoice in our problems. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Be happy whenever you're persecuted. You know what? To somebody looking on the outside of this Christian life, that does not make a whole lot of sense. Our tendency is to get upset when things don't go our way. I never do that. I always am a real Christian. In the way you can ask my wife. She'll say amen to that. I'm always a real Christian, and every time a problem comes, I never worry, never do anything like that. How many of y'all believe that? Good. All right. Make sure y'all weren't... Y'all weren't as gullible as I hoped you weren't. All right. How many of you can identify with me when, you, when, when I say this, though? When the problems come, we worry, we fret, all kinds of stuff. You know what? We, we do that because that's our human nature. But the truth is, if we've got God on our side, we don't need to worry about the problems. He's in control. Nothing has taken him by surprise. He's in control of every situation. So we see, first of all, the certainty of the fire. But if I can turn your attention to a second observation out of this text, and that is this, the confidence inside the fire. These boys went into the, this fire with some confidence that I think we also can go into our fires with. If you'll look with me in verse, verses 16, 17, and 18 again. They answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We're not afraid of this. We're not fearful of this. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, even if he doesn't, we want you to know something here, king. We're not bowing down. We're not worshiping the image. We're not doing what you want us to do because we've already heard what God wants us to do, and we're going to do that. And they had some confidence as they went into the fire. And we can face the fire without fear today because of our faith in God. It took a lot of faith for these men to say, you know what, I see that fiery furnace over there. I see what you're going to do to me if I don't bow down. But you know what, I don't care. I'll go into the fire because I'm not going to sacrifice my convictions. I'm not going to sacrifice my faith. I'm going to believe in a God who's going to walk into the fire with me every step of the way. 
When you walk in the fire, trust me, God does not stay on the outside. God walks right in there with you. God walks right in there with me. And you and I can rest assured we've got a friend in the flame tonight. We've got a God who's not going to leave us alone whenever we face trials. We've got a God who's not going to leave us alone when we face problems. You may be sitting here tonight and physically may be in trouble, financially may have problems, spiritually may be facing some difficulties. Maybe the devil's tempting you this week and you've gone through the fires of defeat, but I want to tell you something. You've not gone through those fires alone. There's a God who has walked every step of the way with you, and you can trust in him. He's going to be there. And these boys faced this fire with confidence. They had confidence, first of all, if I can say this, they had confidence in a seeing God. You see, we can have confidence in a God who sees us in the fire and knows all about our situation. You see, God, does, the Bible says that, and I don't have this verse on the screen, so don't be looking for it, brother, up there. But uh, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto our prayers. The eyes of the Lord, God does not look away and God does not turn his, his head anywhere. He's not able to see what's going on in your life. When you face the fire, when you go into the fiery trials of your life, I want to tell you something. God, it didn't catch God, God didn't catch God by surprise. It did not catch God uh, by accident. God saw it. God saw the fire. God directed you toward the fire, and God's going to walk with you through the fire. They had confidence, first of all, in a seeing God. Secondly, they had confidence in a saving God. They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. They said, we've got a God who can save us. We've got a God who can help us. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. We can have confidence in a God who has the power to get us out of the fire if he so chooses. They said, our God can save us. Does God have the ability to do anything he wants to? Yes or no? He does. Does God have the ability to do what he wants to when he wants to? Yes or no? He does. So if God can do what he wants to, when he wants to, can God get you out of your problem at any time that he wants to? He can. But God does not always choose to do that. They had confidence in a God who could save them. They didn't say, God's not, God's not going to let us go in the fire. They said, no, if we go in the fire, there's somebody going in there with us. And if he wants to get us out, he can. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But they had confidence in a third characteristic of God, and that is not only in a seeing God and in a saving God, but also in a sovereign God. They said even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down. Even if God in his sovereign will decides to put us in the fire and we lose our lives, we're still going to trust him. We're still going to keep our faith in him, no matter what's going on. You see, these guys face this fire with some confidence, and it's the same confidence that you and I can have. We can have confidence that God sees us in every situation in our lives. Not a moment of our lives goes by that God does not take notice of. If God notices, the Bible says, if God knows when the sparrow falls to the ground, then I think God knows what's going on in our lives. Secondly, we can have confidence in the fact that God can save us out of the fire if he so chooses. Thirdly, we can have confidence that if God puts us in the fire and keeps us in the fire for a while, that he knows what's best for us. Now, that's real easy preaching. 
That's real easy listening, but it's real hard living. It's difficult for us to just go into the fire and say, all right, God, we're going to trust you. But that's what we need to do. We need to work at that. We need to work at trusting God more. The song we sang a while ago, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I told you the story on Sunday and did not know that I was going to have it written down as an illustration in this message. But I'll just briefly hit the high points again for you. The song, It Is Well With My Soul, that we sang or that was played Sunday morning, told you the story of how the man who wrote it was H.G. Spafford. He lost everything he had in the great Chicago fire. I think it was 1871. And uh, it was a couple of years later that he decided to go take a trip overseas and try to regroup and figure out what he needed to do. And he, at the last minute, um, he was called away on business and his wife and four daughters, he sent them ahead on the boat. And their steamship collided with another vessel. The ship sank, over 200 people lost their lives in that accident. And uh, among them his four daughters. He waited for some word from his wife or some word from somebody because he didn't know what had happened. And he finally got a telegram that had two words on it from his wife and it said, saved alone. And um, as he got on a ship to go join his wife overseas, he told the captain, he said, I want to know when we get close to where that other ship went down. And the captain woke him up one night and took him out on the deck and said, this is where it happened. And as he looked down into those waters where his four daughters' bodies lay, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. The first verse of which goes, When peace like a river attendeth my way. How can you have peace in that? How can you have peace in the fire? If you have God in the fire, you can have peace in the fire. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How could Mr. Spafford face that. I, I've thought, you know, I mean, our boy is almost two years old now, and I've thought many times over the last couple of years what, what it would be like to lose him. I can't even fathom that, can't even imagine it. I hear stories about parents losing little children, and I sit there and think, dear God, how do they go through it? This man stood on the deck of a boat and saw where four of his children had gone down and was able to say, it's well with my soul. Why? Because he had the same confidence that we're hearing about tonight. Confidence in a God who knew what was going on. Confidence in a God who could have spared him from it if he'd have so chosen. Confidence in a God who was going to see him through it and a God who was sovereign and was in control of the situation. What about it tonight? What fire are you facing? What fiery trial is going on in your life right now? There's a God who's walking in it with you and you can have confidence as you face the fire. The last one, if I can share that with you quickly. We've seen the certainty of the fire, the confidence inside the fire, and then we see the companion in the fire. And that's basically what I've been, pre what I've been preaching about the whole time. What's the Bible say in verse number 25? Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
We can face the fire tonight without fear because we have a friend in the flame. You see, this companion in the fire gives us, first of all, a reassuring presence. He said, I see four men. It's good to know we'll never be alone in the fire. Hebrews 13, 5, he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never leave thee. Never forsake thee. Never one time will God ever walk off from you. We see a reassuring presence. We see, secondly, a remarkable power. It says they have no hurt. These guys went into a fiery furnace, heated seven times hotter than it was normally, and came out without any hurt. The Bible says their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't even smell like smoke. Now, you know as well as I do, you get around smoke in any kind of way, somebody's going to be able to tell you you've been around a fire. You're going to smell like it. But God walked in the flame with these guys. These guys walked back out of the fire. They didn't smell like smoke. They didn't get burned. The only thing that got burned was the ropes that were binding them. Maybe God uses the fire to burn some things off of you that he needs to. And they're in there. Now, the Bible doesn't say, it says they were walking around. Can you imagine what was going on in that fire? Now, I know if it had been me, what I'd have been doing. I'd have probably been yelling and screaming as they put me in there. And then when I realized that it wasn't hurting me and the bonds that had me bound were loosed and that there was a fourth presence in that fire with me, rest assured, I'm going to have me a little Pentecostal shout and fit. I would have been having myself a time. And these guys, I don't know. I don't know what religion they may have been, but I can register they weren't just sitting there quietly saying, thank you, Jesus, that we're alive. I guarantee you they were excited about what was going on. They're walking around in a fire and not getting burned. And to have the assurance of a presence there, there's a reassuring presence there's a remarkable power, and then thirdly, we see a revealed purpose. We see why God allowed this to happen, and here it is. Look with me at verses 28 through 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God wants to get glory out of your life, and did God get glory out of that situation? He sure did. The king said, wait a second, we now have a new God. We're not serving the idols anymore. You say anything against the God that just did this for these guys, he said, we're going to cut you in pieces. Now that ought to make, them, make everybody wise up a little bit, huh? And he promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
God wants to get glory out of your life and God will do whatever it takes to get glory out of your life. Even if that means putting you in the fire for a while. Now, we don't like that. That's not our nature to like that. But trust me, or trust God. God always has a reason for putting us in the fire. We may not always understand it. We may not always know why it's going on. But we can say this. We've got a friend in the flame. One more just little thought. The Bible never says he came out of the fire. The Bible says the three boys did. Say, what's that mean to you, preacher? It means he's still in there for whenever I go in. God never said the fire would pass us by, but I'm glad he promised he'd always stand by our side. And I'm glad I can say tonight of a certainty, someone is walking with me in the flame. And I've got a friend in the flame, somebody who will face the fire with me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to a brief invitation on an altar of prayer. But before we pray, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if I can ask you this question, are you going through the fire? Yours may be a little fire. Yours may be a raging inferno. But fire is hot either way. You say, preacher, I'm facing something right now. I've got a fiery trial in my life. I can feel some heat. Would you pray for me that I'll trust God in my fire? Would you slip your hand up? Mine's going up. I don't know what your fire may be, but you're going through a fire. Slip them up all over the room. Thank you and put them down. Is there anybody here tonight who would say, Preacher, you talked about facing the fire with God. I'm not even sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I, if I died right now, I'm not even sure that I'd go to heaven. I have some doubts about my salvation. Would you pray for me? I sure will. Nobody's looking but me. Are you here tonight unsure of your salvation? Would you slip your hand up where I could see it? Anybody? I'm looking. I see one hand. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm not, I'm not sure of my salvation. Thank you. Father, we thank you for what we've heard tonight. God, what a privilege it's been to hear your word proclaimed and to hear your word preached. And God, what a truth it's been what we've heard tonight. I'm glad we've got somebody who's walking in the fire with us, who is going to be there with us every step of the way. Thank you for that. I ask you that you'd help us to trust you. God, several raised their hands tonight saying they're going through fiery trials. Would you help us to trust you? God, I saw one hand of somebody who raised it, said they had some doubts about their salvation. Tonight, it sure be a great night to get those doubts settled. Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your word. 
and its promises. In your name we pray. Amen. As they begin to play something on the instruments, maybe you're, you raised your hand, you said, I'm facing a fiery trial, and uh, you'd like to come down to the altar tonight and ask God to help you through it. We're going to use this time as also a time to pray for those on our prayer list. So if you'd like to come down here and pray for them, we're just going to have an altar of prayer. Tonight, if you raised your hand and you said, I'm not sure about my salvation, if you'll walk down on one of these aisles, I promise you I'll meet you there. If I can get a couple of folks to come pray with these people if I can. Just maybe one of our ladies and one of our men. Maybe one of our deacons will come down here and pray with them. See if they have any needs that we can take care of. If you're here tonight not sure of your salvation, if you'll walk down an aisle, I promise I'll meet you with the Bible. And I can show you, and there's plenty of people in this room who can show you how you can be saved. So we have an altar of prayer. Christians, come on. Let's pray for those in need in our church. Let's pray for those going through the fire. Come on, while they're playing. Let's just come down here and pray. Ask God to help those who are in need. Ask God to help those who are facing difficulties. We're just going to have a time of prayer. Let's take this time to quietly pray. makes it worthwhile to come to church on a Wednesday night, doesn't it? I think I've lost the microphone somewhere. There it is. <laughs> Walk down an aisle and trusted Christ as his Savior.
about make a Baptist want to shout, won't it? <laughs> Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, wasn't it? Thank you for being here. I hope you got some encouragement. If nothing else, that right there is worth everything to me. I, uh, I'm always grateful to see somebody get saved. Continue to pray for our preacher. Continue to pray for uh, Terry and Brother Tom and all of them as they're over there uh, overseas, seeing things that we wish we could see and all this other kind of stuff and um, making us jealous. They got a chance to do that, but they're uh, having a good time, hopefully. from I hadn't heard from them. I guess you've talked to them, and they're doing well. Edinburgh, Scotland. Anybody ever been to Edinburgh, Scotland? I haven't either. Um, they're getting to see it, though, and uh, we're glad for that. For Hey, man. Well, that's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Continue to pray for them. They'll be back next Tuesday and uh, continue to pray for them. I tell you what, we've, I haven't known him that long, but I can say this. I believe that we truly have a man of God for a pastor, and I'm very grateful to him for the things that he's taught me already, and I love him, and uh, I'm, I'm getting to love Terry, too. I don't, I don't know about that. Still, me and Terry hit it off really well the first time we met, so... Um, We've gotten along really well, and I tell you what, count him as a good friend. But I thank you for being here tonight, and uh, Lord bless you. We'll see you again on Sunday. Amen.